What's up, everybody? My name is Athena, and you're here to listen to Vanished in the Valley. So today, we are going to talk about Kabobo Nightmare a little bit, but it's like, what is left to say? We have government data that is showing the increase of all-cause mortality deaths, like an amazing amount. It's just, it's absolutely infuriating what the world's governments have done to their people. But mostly today, we are going to talk about the international bankers and the stranglehold they have on the economies of the world. This is going to be a fucked up episode, and yes, it's dealing with economics, but every American, fuck that, every person in the world needs to have a better understanding of the way our economies are run and controlled by the very few at the top. So sit back and get ready for this. Just a little side note, I got a lot of my information for this podcast episode from a video called The Money Masters. I will leave a link in the show notes and I just, I really suggest people, you guys sit down and fucking find three hours of time to understand what is actually going on with our money system. So this kind of like quote unquote central bank or international money masters has been around since before the time of Jesus. So we're not going to go all the way back then, but just note that in most religions, usury, which is the act of lending money for a fee, aka interest, has been banned across Catholicism, Islam, and many other religions. And there's a reason for it. Usury causes so much damage to the most vulnerable citizens of a particular country. It is a vile practice, and it's been used now for thousands of years to make the rich richer and the poor poor. But we're not going to go all the way back there. A lot of this story starts in Europe with the Rothschild family. They have dozens and dozens of front companies, shell companies, that make them their billions and billions of dollars. And I'm going to literally explain to you how these dirty motherfuckers caused the Great Depression in the United States among many other economic depressions. But before we get to that, I'm going to read you a quote by Thomas Jefferson. Quote, I believe the banking institutions are more dangerous to our liberties than standing armies. If the American people ever allow private banks to control the issue of their currency, first by inflation, then by deflation, the banks and corporations that will grow up around the banks will deprive the people of all property until their children wake up homeless on the continent their fathers conquered. The issuing power should be taken from the banks and restored to the people to whom it properly belongs. Early banks in the United States, like the First Bank of the United States and even the Second Bank of the United States, that was their names, were controlled by the central bankers, the rich-ass Rothschilds and international bankers. It was not controlled by the government, just like the Federal Reserve today. Some people don't even realize the Federal Reserve is a private entity. It is not a federally run organization. We're going to kind of fast forward to the early 20th century in America. At that point, America had already implemented and removed a few central bank systems that were swindled into action by ruthless banking interests. Following that time period, the dominant families in the business and banking world were those of John D. Rockefeller, J.P. Morgan, Paul Warburg, and Baron Rothschild. And that's just a few of them. Now, a little side note about the Rothschilds. 
They've literally funded both sides of war for the last two, three hundred years. They are dirty, greedy motherfuckers, and all they care about is milking every cent they can out of the working class people. And also, just another side note about J.P. Morgan. He was just a Rothschild crony, a front man. Nothing more, nothing less. Let me tell you a little story about what J.P. Morgan did. So at the time, he was extremely influential and respected finance individual. He exploited his position by publishing rumors that the prominent bank in New York was bankrupt, which caused mass hysteria and affected all other banks as well. So at that point, the public began running to the banks to withdraw their money in fear of losing everything, which then forced the banks to call in their loans. This forced a mass sell-off of property that resulted in a domino effect of bankruptcies and repossessions. A few years later, all the pieces were put together by Frederick Allen of Life magazine, who wrote, quote, The Morgan interest took advantage of an unsettled conditions during the autumn of 1907 to precipitate the panic, guiding it shrewdly as it progressed so that it wouldn't kill off rival banks and consolidate the preeminence of the banks within the Morgan orbit. So at this point, it kind of became known that J.P. Morgan basically caused the fucking Great Depression. And there was a congressional investigation led by Senator Nelson Aldrich, who had intimate ties to the banking interests and later married into the Rockefeller family. Hmm, I wonder how he got put on this investigation. So through this hearing, a central bank was recommended to avoid such an event from happening again. Shortly after, in 1910, a secret meeting was held at a Morgan estate on Jekyll Island, where the Federal Reserve Act was written by the bankers. Once written, they gave this legislation to Nelson Aldrich to push through Congress. Now, just a little side note, which is a fucking conspiracy theory in itself. There were many, many prominent Americans that were completely against the Federal Reserve. And many of them just happened to be on a famous ship called the Titanic, which, by the way, was built by a company owned by J.P. Morgan. Jacob John Astor, Isidore Strauss, Benjamin Guggenheim, and many other millionaires were all on that boat. Edward John Smith, who was the captain of the Titanic, ordered the Titanic through an 80-square-mile iceberg field and disregarded eight telegram warnings of the danger. And, of course, this motherfucker jumped off the ship to the first rescue boat that he saw. But all of these other prominent people against the Federal Reserve died. Yeah, like I said, it's a whole conspiracy theory in a conspiracy theory. But that's not even where we're going. We're going back to the Federal Reserve now. Senator Barry Goldwater actually said it beautifully. Most Americans have no real understanding of the operation of the international money lenders. The accounts of the Federal Reserve System have never been audited. It operates outside the control of Congress and manipulates the credit of the United States of America. Republican Charles A. Lindbergh, like the father of the Lindbergh aviator, said this. The financial system has been turned over to the Federal Reserve Board. That board administers a finance system by authority of a purely profiteering group. The system is private, conducted for the sole purpose of obtaining the greatest possible profits from the use of other people's money. So like I was saying earlier, these international bankers are what caused the Great Depression in the United States in 1929. 
$3 billion of wealth was taken out of the hands of the American people and put into the hands of these international bankers, Rothschild cronies, and other soulless, greedy fuckers. It kind of reminds me of the people's wealth that was transferred out of our pockets during the Kabobo bullshit of 2020. And the money all went to the super rich. The super rich got richer and we got poorer. The inflation rate is still at what, like a 40 year high. Food is ridiculously expensive. I literally paid $6.35 for a gallon of gasoline the other day. And it just keeps getting more expensive because these rich motherfuckers want to be richer. Now, looking back through history, you would think that no one ever tried to warn the American public about these international bankers and a central bank, but they did. So many politicians from Andrew Jackson's time all the way up to Ron Paul have warned us about the Federal Reserve. Another aspect that a lot of people don't understand is fractional reserve banking which for most of U.S. history, our laws required banks to hold a reserve for all of the money on their books. Banks by law were required to hold a minimum of 10% of their holdings in reserve so they can meet their obligations in case of emergency. Well, March 26, 2020, you know, right around the fucking start of the Kabobo lockdowns, the banks were no longer required to keep any percentage of their deposits in reserve. Just a totally side note, co-winky-dink, I'm sure. The FDIC.gov went on their Twitter page and literally wrote this on March 24th, 2020. Forget the mattress. Keeping large sums of cash at home is risky. The best place to protect your money is in an FDIC-insured bank where it's safe and sound. That makes me very fucking suspicious. The only reason to come out and make some fucking off-the-wall statement like that is they're worried about a bank run and not being able to pay everyone's money out. So, I mean, at this point in the game, I don't know if we're all so fucked so deep in these fucking cartels' pockets that there's no way out. I, I don't know. I don't know what the fucking answer is. But I can guarantee you it's not fucking digital currency from a central bank because that's going to give these fuckers more control over us. But see, now all this kabobo talk, I'm getting ahead of myself. So after the Great Depression was caused by these fucking scummy ass bankers, Representative Lewis Thomas McFadden stated, quote, the depression was not accidental. It was a carefully contrived occurrence worked out as one works out a mathematical equation. The international bankers sought to bring about a condition of despair here so that they might emerge as the rulers of all of us. Representative McFadden was a long-time opponent of the banking interests that created the Federal Reserve. Congressman Lewis McFadden began bringing impeachment proceedings against the Federal Reserve Board, but I'm sure it's just a big old coinkydink. Before he could push for the impeachment, he was poisoned at a political banquet in Washington and later died after surviving two previous assassination attempts. Now, if everything I told you wasn't bad enough, these greedy little fuckers had to get rid of the gold standard. But in order to remove the gold standard, they would need to acquire all the gold that remained in the system. So, in 1933, under the guise of helping the citizens of the U.S. to get out of the Great Depression, the president issued an executive order for citizens to deliver all of their gold coin, bullion, and certificates to the Fed. If you didn't abide, you would receive a 10-year prison sentence. They essentially took every single bit of the wealth of the American people by force. 
1933, the phrase redeemable in gold on demand at the United States Treasury or in gold or lawful money at any Federal Reserve Bank was taken off all United States bills. We are essentially put on a fake ass fiat system of money and currency exchange. I mean, to put it another way, our dollars are backed and limited by nothing and therefore in full control of the Federal Reserve. Now at this point, we are back in the full grasp of these nasty ass international bankers. Something we literally fought England to get away from. Something that should never have happened. We tried for fucking hundreds of years to abolish these international banking cartels. But people are greedy. People just want money and they're easily bought off. And these people have endless fucking money. This also brings me to the creation of federal income tax. Now, there are a lot of different arguments, even in court today, that this is an unconstitutional law because it is a direct unportioned tax. All taxes have to be apportioned to be legal based on the Constitution. Secondly, the number of states needed to ratify the amendment to allow the income tax to pass was never met. So just check this out, you guys. On average, you work three to four months out of the year just to fucking pay these motherfuckers interest fee on the money that the Fed supplies the government. Not one penny of this tax goes into a single government program. Not a penny. It all goes back into the pockets of the international scumbags. Now we're going to move on to the part where we talk about how these dirty motherfuckers profit from war. So just to give you an idea, J.D. Rockefeller personally made over $200 million from World War I, and that's over $2 trillion in today's money. In total, the war cost America about $30 billion, all of which was borrowed by the Federal Reserve Bank. All the wars since then, same fucking story. Now, if what I've told you today doesn't fucking get you interested in the way our economy is run... I don't know what to tell you. Fucking go eat some McDonald's and get another booster or some shit. You guys really need to look into the way this works because this all is leading us to centralized digital currency and social credit. I think a little over a year ago, I did a whole ass episode on the central digital currency bank and all the fucking fraud that's going to happen with that. Why they're just really using that to create social credit. I'm not going to go into the whole spiel again, so go find the episode if you want to fucking read about it. But the risk is real, you guys. The powers that be, the government, the fucking international twats, will be able to shut off your life with the push of a button. Everything you do and purchase will be recorded, and they'll give you a social credit score on how often you work, when you're buying your coffee, etc. Just look at China. It is already being implemented right now and you piss somebody off in the government one push of a button and all of your accounts are frozen there's nothing you can do this is probably why they're trying so hard to get rid of cold hard cash untraceable cash and why they're now trying to track every deposit for six hundred dollars or more which it used to be ten thousand dollars but somehow now president brandon pushed it down to six hundred dollars and hired thousands of new IRS agents and even in their job ads like oh we're gonna arm you motherfuckers and you have to be willing to use deadly force over taxes and you know what 
I'm sure a bunch of brainwashed twats signed up for it. 100% all of those job vacancies were filled. And these are the people that need to be stopped. You guys, I could go on and on about this subject, but you really need to dive in and do your own research so you truly understand it can grasp how fucked we are, especially if we go to the digital currency. So please check out the link I posted to a video called The Money Masters. It's absolutely worth it. So now I'm going to tell you guys about how Boston University created a new COVID strain that has an 80% kill rate. No fucking shit, you guys. So what these psychopaths did was added the Omicron spike protein to the original Wuhan COVID strain. Omicron spike is highly mutated, which makes it the most infectious variant ever. Eight out of 10 mice infected with the lab-created strain died at the Boston University lab. It's like, what the fuck are these people doing? Where are these people's handlers? Where is the straitjacket? Where's their leash or fucking shot collar is what they need? Like, why? Why are you fucking doing this? And let me tell you all this like bullshit about, oh, we got to do this to understand a pandemic. Motherfuckers, this information and research has never stopped a pandemic. As a matter of fact, it has now caused one. So I think that's some negative efficacy to go with your fucked up boosters. I really want to know who funded this research and why this type of research is still allowed to happen after everything we've learned since the Kabobo nightmare was unleashed upon us all. But nothing ever seems to happen. All these rich motherfuckers that are in control of the world just, okay, let's just keep fucking with this. Maybe then we can finally get the population down to where we want it. Now, just a little side note, more than 40 facilities certified as biosafety level three or biosafety level four have either been built or have gone into construction since 2020 and predominantly across Asia. What are they building all these labs for? This can't just all be for diagnostic purposes. There is some shady shit happening all across the world. And it might have something to do with the fact that Russia bulldozed all of our fucking bioweapons labs in Ukraine this year. Now we're moving on to what embalmers in the UK and America are finding in their dead patients. In an interview with Dr. Daniel Bombinski, an Alabama-based embalmer, Richard Hirschman elaborates on, quote, strange and fibrous white clots he's been finding in the bodies of those vaccinated against COVID-19. I'll put a link to this article in the show notes because there are a lot of pictures that this embalmer provides so you guys can see exactly what he's talking about. And the only other time I've heard or seen information similar to this was when a UK embalmer was giving the same picture as the American embalmer. So Hirschman says starting around 2021, He's been finding strange and fibrous white clots in an overwhelming number of bodies, a phenomenon he attributes to the mRNA vaccinations. He says by May of 2021, he started noticing the white fibrous material when he was embalming. Hirschman adds, the blood doesn't just look the same. The clots are abnormal and especially consist of white fibrous material. But the clots that are really abnormal... He said he didn't start noticing them until around May of 2021. Unsurprisingly, these observations started perfectly with the rollout of the COVID injections. 
He says that the people who are dying seem to be getting younger and younger as time goes on. He says lately it seems like the number of people that are in their early 60s, their 50s, and their 40s is dropping down. People dying in their 30s is becoming more common. A former BlackRock fund manager by the name of Edward Dowd has actually looked into this topic. He used to manage billions of dollars for BlackRock and now has a team of PhD physicists and insurance insiders working for him. He says that according to the most accurate actuarial data in the U.S., a massive increase in all-cause mortality among working-age people began to occur in the third quarter of 2021. Right around the time, the COVID injections became mandated for the age group, roughly 25 to 50 years old, by employers and entertainment venues. Now, just a little side note, actuarial basically is relating to actuaries or their work of compiling and analyzing statistics to calculate insurance risks and premiums. So this is what this guy is doing. Obviously, he's not going to want to take a huge loss. And I've read other insurance agencies are getting together and discussing anything from adding higher premiums to people that have been jabbed to not even insuring them. So Dowd has even gone as far to say that since the working age group of American adults has had the opportunity to receive a COVID injection, it has experienced a silent Vietnam War. He notes this is the case because the actuarial data he and his team have studied reveals an excess of 61,000 deaths in the demographic since the COVID vaccine rollout. We also have Indiana-based funeral director and embalmer Wallace Hooker, likewise, who has observed the same phenomena in the bodies being embalmed at his funeral home. Hooker said in September 2022 interview with Children's Health Defense Canada, that the clots had really begun to present themselves in the 16 to 18 month period prior to his speaking with the nonprofit. Hooker also described the clots his embalmers have been finding in almost the exact same terms as Hirschman does, noting the blockages are tough, fibrous, and white. Now, according to lab director and investigative journalist Mike Adams, aka the Health Ranger, he has also performed a mass spectrometry analysis of the clots, and it's now turning up in dead people, and he claims there are, quote, self-assembling biostructures that aren't alive yet, still actively harvesting and organizing conductive elements from surrounding blood. According to Adams' analysis, the clots are made up of vanadium, chromium, manganese, nickel, copper, arsenic, selenium, stetonium, and a bunch of other fucking chemicals. Adam also said of his analysis that, quote, the elements that are found in human bodies, the elements that are common in human life or even mammals or any kind of animal, frankly, those elements were almost completely missing from these clots. We even have an interdisciplinary team of scientists dubbed the German Working Group, for example, performed microscopy studies on COVID, quote unquote, vaccinated blood from people who had received the injections from Pfizer, Moderna, or Johnson & Johnson's. This is what the researchers wrote following in their conclusion, quote, the comparison of blood samples from unvaccinated and vaccinated individuals by means of dark field microscopy showed noticeable changes in the blood of each person who had been vaccinated with the Kabobo vaccines. This was evident even if these people hadn't at that point displayed any visible reaction to the vaccine. Complex structures similar to those in the vaccines were found in the blood samples of the vaccinated. 
Using artificial intelligence image analysis, the difference between the blood of the vaccinated and the unvaccinated people was confirmed. Now, this German group refers to the complex structures as mostly metallic objects of different shapes and sizes and large enough to be seen under an optical microscope. And that should basically be kind of impossible as the tech used in the injections is supposedly on the nanoscale. The German working group's analysis also uncovered crystalline formations in all of the blood tested from the vaccinated individuals. Specifically, they noted the vaccinated blood sample tested displayed rouleau, which is clumps of red blood cells that look like stacked plates that usually form as a result of abnormal quantities of certain proteins, which is immunoglobulin, fibrinogen in the blood. How many more of these organizations, scientists, doctors, researchers, how many more of them have to come forward and warn the general public about this shit before they're going to stop and maybe, oh, I don't know, do their own fucking research for once instead of listening to Anderson fucking Cooper? Apparently, it isn't just a known fact that CNN is fake news. I don't know. I thought we'd figure that out fucking years ago, but apparently not. So along with strange clotting, Hirschman, the first embalmer I was telling you about, has also identified a potentially disturbing pattern in the bodies of those who died of cancer. He notes that overall, the people who've died of cancer since the COVID injection rollout appear healthier and devoid of any side effects from detrimental treatments like chemotherapy, meaning possibly that their cancers erupted and killed them with exceptional rapidity. He says, quote, the usual thing that I've been noticing with cancers is that typically when I dealt with cancer patients, I could usually tell they were sick. They'd been fighting cancer and they'd been fighting it for a number of years and they lost a lot of weight and they lost their hair. He says, now I get a person who dies of cancer. I wouldn't have known they had cancer had I not been told because they have a full head of hair and they look relatively healthy. And then I hear, oh, they found out they had cancer four, six, eight weeks ago and now they're dead. So he's just saying that these jabs are speeding up the kill rate of cancer. And I, I believe it because we've already had research proving these things mutate the DNA and they cause specific mutations that cause your cells not to be able to repair DNA damage, which then leads to different rare forms of type of cancer. I mean, it's gotten so crazy. I've read about five or six high schools that have literally had to cancel their football season because they, quote, don't have enough healthy players. Like, what the fuck? Uh, you think CNN and Anderson Cooper would be all over that shit? Now we're going to move on to an article I found at vigilantfox.subtract.com. So he starts the article off by asking when the cells stop making a spike protein after you've been jabbed. And the answer is no one knows because no one's done this study. And that was coming from board certified clinical and anatomic pathologist Ryan Cole as he was being interviewed by Steve Kirsch. There was one study done by Dr. Banzel in the Journal of Immunology showing circulating spike exosomes for up to four months after the inoculation. So at that point, you would kind of presume that the sequence is still present and making the spike. Now, they're absolutely sure that it is directly from the jabs. The COVID injection only makes antibodies to spike, whereas a natural infection produces antibodies to both spike and the nucleocapsid. So basically, when you find a spike without the presence of the nucleocapsid in weird places like the brain and the heart, you can safely assume it's because of the jab. Dr. Cole went on to say, quote, 
There's a spike protein in the heart. There's a spike protein in the brain. There's a spike protein in the liver, but there's no nucleocapsid. And these deaths were proximate to, in most of these patients, their second shot. Now, what Dr. Cole has kind of figured out is that the peak death is around five months out from getting the jab. He says it's an aggregate of multiple mechanisms, activation of other viruses, spike-causing clotting, mitochondrial fatigue, and he would suppose in all of those mechanisms, there's simply more that they just don't know about yet. Dr. Cole kind of described it in contrast to the really quick death that some patients face, like the anaphylactic shock, which he thinks is coming from the polyethylene glycol. In that type of a death, it's just like a wildfire, just hits everywhere and the body shuts down immediately and you're dead within minutes after the shot. He's saying instead, this is like a slow burn, a smoldering wildfire until the burden of the disease and the burden of inflammation finally adds up to incompatibility with life. So what this all kind of equals is you get these nearly undetectable vaccine-induced deaths that are very hard to point the finger at the jab. And that's why they don't want to do autopsies. That's why these medical examiners are just doing half-assed jobs and not truly looking into all of these deaths. Because that is where the evidence lies, so long as they do proper staining techniques. And you think that every coroner, every medical examiner in the fucking United States would be able to do some staining techniques. I mean, you just got to get the stains and it takes fucking three seconds to make a blood slide. I'm wondering, are they specifically being told not to look into this? Are they afraid of getting funding cut off by the federal government? I mean, who knows? Who was fucking to say at this point? There are so many people wrapped up in this scam and so many people on the payroll of Big Pharma. It's insane. And apparently it's just going to keep going on and on because people just want to keep getting boosted and listen to the fucking mainstream media and what those sellout shills have to say. All right, guys, that's about it for this week. But before I get out of here, I just have to say what's up to my top three downloading states, which actually it's top four because Colorado and Texas are tied for third place. We have California in first and Illinois rounding up second. And on to our international listeners. We have the UK, Australia, Canada, and Denmark. That's what's up, you guys. Thank you so much for downloading. I appreciate it. Hit me up at vanishinthevalley at gmail.com if you have a story I should dig into or if you want any of the documents I talk about. But like I always tell you, be aware and don't forget your pepper spray. Ciao, ciao.